Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Thank you for joining us with Adventist Frontier Mission, part two of Diana and Arnold Hooker's story. In part one, Diana fell very ill to samosas that Arnold brought from a street vendor. Namrada heard about how sick Diana was and decided to bring Diana an old family recipe that she made to give to Diana. Namrada insisted that Diana eat, but Diana was afraid that if she does eat the food, it will just come back out again. Namrada was persistent and didn't take no for an answer, so Diana asked God for help. In part two of the story, we will discover how God helped Diana in her weakest moment. I tried to resist, explaining that everything kept coming back up, but Namrata insisted I eat. I told her I would try some later, but needed really to just rest. And here my little Nepalese sister would not take no for an answer and forced me to go sit at the table to eat. I felt really helpless to fight her, and yet I was fearing inside that another bout of nausea or vomiting would would take place. And I just said, Lord, please help me. I did eat. The food was a very bland mixture of what um, they call as dal. It's like a yellow lentils cooked. It was blended with white rice. I actually had to put salt in it to give it any flavor. Believe it or not, it eventually settled my stomach. Namrata was satisfied after my first bowl and left me enough for two more servings. She later told me it was an old recipe from her childhood in India. Sure enough, it did the trick for me. When Arnold returned, he saw color returning to my face. I felt so much better. I praised the Lord. Here we had come to help these people, yet I was learning a lesson in letting them help me. God opened my eyes to how he uses all different people in ministry. Namrata is a devout Hindu. She was there for me in my time of need, and I just thank God for my little sister in Nepal. Please pray for Namrata and her family. We planted seed amongst them and pray that one day we will see the harvest. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all. Diana built a close relationship with Namrata, and because of that relationship, God used Namrata to help Diana in a time of need. The next story took place in Oceania. It's a more remote part of Papua New Guinea where day-to-day living are very unpleasant at times. Yet there are missionaries willing to live there with the people to tell them about the wonderful news of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and His love for them. Diana often visits the missionary team in these remote areas. Here is her testimony of one of her visits to Papua New Guinea. My name is Diane Hooker, and my husband Arnold and I served as field directors over Southeast Asia and Oceania with Adventist Frontier Missions for over six years. 
The area of Oceania consists primarily, at least for us, of Papua New Guinea, which is PNG. And this story I'd like to tell you today comes from one of our visits there. I have to tell you, my heroes are the missionaries who choose to serve in these very remote regions of the world. They live with minimal amenities and endure long travels on various modes of transportation to get to civilization for supplies. And every time I would visit the teams in PNG, I marveled at their commitment to live and serve in such isolated villages. The title of this story is Whirlpools. When we go to the AMA project, it is actually the most remote project that AFM has. It takes us an eight-hour, eight to nine-hour PMV, which is a public motor vehicle um, trip overnight. Usually we take it all the way to the river's edge. And then we did, at least back then, a 13-and-a-half-hour canoe ride to May River Station, which is where the AMA project is based out of. I have to tell you, just the overnight ride on the PMV sometimes is enough for you. First off, you're waiting until nightfall to take off. You're looking for a convoy for protection, so there's quite a few of these PMV trucks. And so you're driving all the way through the night. And um, my head, I would find my head bobbing trying to doze, and yet it would be just between the jarring of the truck hitting a huge pothole or avoiding what they call are rascals. They're usually drunk men alongside the road yelling, wanting them to pull over or to rob us. And so every time I heard the yells of the men on the road or felt the swerving of the vehicle to avoid someone or something, I would find myself sending up a prayer. Usually about uh, pre-dawn hours, You would get to a place where there's this makeshift bridge. Usually this bridge is made out of just pieces of wood lying about 15 feet, 20 feet up in the air. And then they had two logs that had been sewn in half laid across and you're to walk across it. Now, I have to tell you, Arnold's about as sure-footed as a goat on a mountaintop and I am definitely not. So I always hated crossing this bridge We'd have to get off the PMV truck. And I would put my backpack on as tight as I could so it wouldn't sway, the weight wouldn't sway me left or right. And it, you know, it's already kind of dark, pre-dawn hours. And a lot of people are waiting right there. They're trying to get to the other side, too. We've got a lot of uh, supplies for the missionaries going across. Thankfully, I'm not the one carrying them. Somebody else was hired to do that. And when it would come to my time, I just would pray every single step across and just walk so slow while everybody else is walking very sure-footedly across. I just didn't want to fall, and I was always scared that I would slip right off. So that would be the first leg of the trip. Then we still had an hour to go before we got to the water's edge in Pogway, and that's where we would load up the 35-foot canoe 
and take off for the 13 and a half hours. Now, this is where they always told me we had one stop, bathroom stop for a woman, in about three hours in the town of Ambunti on the Pathfinder. It's a little old medical ship, semi-retired, that we could use. And I always look forward to that one stop. But then after that, there was zero for me. And so um, unless I wanted to wade into crocodile-infested water and try to relieve myself there. So it was always um, a time of prayer, much prayer, because I wanted to take oral rehydration salts and drink a lot of water so I wouldn't dehydrate. And yet it's very intense heat down there in Papua New Guinea. And yet God took my middle-aged bladder and kept it from needing to release itself at any time past Ambunti, the last 10 and a half hours. Anyways, on with the story. So here we are. Uh, this one particular time, we had taken off a little later than expected. And so we were going to be traveling at nightfall, which didn't usually happen. We usually traveled during the day on the canoe because we had traveled overnight on the PMV. Anyways, this particular instance, right before night fell, we had the most glorious sunset. And it seemed to linger forever and changing all the time. And I just was praising God. My heart was so full of praise. It seemed to me that the Lord wanted to give us a show before the black of night enveloped us. When we ran around a bend in the river, I could no longer even glimpse the last sliver of shadows on the trees lining the banks. It was like someone turned all the electricity out in the world. Just so you know, none of the villages have electricity there. However, it just seemed like everything went dark. And as complete darkness surrounded us above and swirling black waters beneath, I felt helpless. I didn't know what was nearby or coming around the next turn. My eyes never fully adjusted enough to see much, except every once in a while, I would catch a glimpse of debris or sticks in the beam of the, from the flashlight that Micah, our skipper, was shining ahead of the canoe. The only way I could actually identify turns coming was when the canoe would move right or left with the water. At that point, I knew I could only lay my life in the hands of my Creator, for only He knew what was going to take place. Thankfully, I knew the Lord well enough to trust Him with my life and the outcome of that long night on the Sepik and May rivers. I will tell you, at one point, I felt a little bit like Peter, totally at peace, chained between two powers of darkness, and I dozed. The rocking of the canoe as it tipped this way and that just lulled me right to sleep. The breeze was on my face with the misting from the water. It was kind of refreshing after a long day of travel, and I actually enjoyed the hum from the 40-horsepower motor in the rear. Then all of a sudden, I was jolted awake when I heard Tom, who happened to be the lookout in the front of the canoe, yelling to Micah and pointing at something in the water. I was squinting my eyes to try to see. It kind of looked like two bodies of water coming together and swirling in a circle. It was a whirlpool at the edge of a shortcut waterway we had taken. Apparently they were trying to avoid it, and in doing so, we all of a sudden stopped on a sandbar. 
Before I could even process what was happening, Tom plunged into the darkness below and then just as quickly re-emerged with eyes full of fear. He pulled himself into the canoe so fast that we all had to hold on to keep it from tipping over. Something had touched his leg and frightened him. This is interesting because I had not once even thought about the crocodiles in the vast darkness, but what else would lurk under the surface? I wondered if we would all have to get out to dislodge the stuck canoe. At that point, I silently prayed that it wouldn't come to that. Daylight was still many hours away, and I started to think maybe this was a good place for us to spend the night. Then Micah brought me back to the present by plunging into the depths at the back of the canoe. Within minutes, we were moving again. And I have to say, I gained new respect for Micah that day. He knew better than any of us what might lie in the depths, and yet he took the risk to keep us moving. What amazing trust in the Lord. Would I have done it? Thankfully, I did not have to find out. My mind wandered the remaining long hours of the trip, and I got to see a brilliant sky filled with stars that reminded me of the promise to Abraham many centuries ago. It also brought me encouragement as we docked at the May River Station a couple hours before dawn. Weary as we all were, I was thankful to experience such a phenomenally challenging 24-hour trip to get to this remote project. So many unknowns exist in this land of the unexpected, as PNG is referred to. However, there is one thing I know for sure. My God is able to carry me through each obstacle of each day, for when I am weak, He is strong. Thank you for listening and for praying for the missionaries that serve in these remote locations. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this inspiring testimony of faith with Diana and Arnold Hooker. Join us next time for more testimonies with Adventist Frontier Missions.